This podcast is recorded on stolen land. We acknowledge and pay our respects to our elders, past, present, and for future generations. Hi, I'm Matika. And I'm Courtney. And we're two queer First Nations women passionate about representation for our community. We created this podcast to share our stories. And we want you to join us on the journey. You're listening to Coming Out Black. Hello. We're having a good time. Yeah, we are. We are having a good time. <laughs> welcome or welcome back to another episode of Coming Out Black. Today is actually a really significant, I think, an important episode because it is airing during National Reconciliation Week. For those of you who might not know much about the week, Courtney, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Reconciliation Week is a time for all Australians to learn about our shared history, culture and achievements and to explore how each of us can contribute to achieving reconciliation in Australia. Let's unpack that. Yeah, let's. I think it's um, an important week and it allows us to facilitate a lot of important conversations. You know, you have a lot of panel events, um, specific content that comes out for National Reconciliation Week, which I think is really good. But obviously there's some complexity around the actual word mm. reconciliation. Correct. And it'd be good to actually like unpack that word um, mm. without saying the word unpacked a million times. Fuck. Say it, it two more. Just... just one more time. <laughs> unpack. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what's really important is that we unpack the word reconciliation because it's quite contentious, I think, in mm-hmm. our community, non-Indigenous community, in the Indigenous community, in um, even in the global First Nations community as well. Reconciliation yeah. implies that there was a conciliation mm-hmm. um, beforehand. But I want to pull out Oxford Dicks and... <laughs> Oxford Dicks? Okay. <laughs> Go on. Um, maybe the dictionary. Uh, <laughs> we should just start all calling it that now. Like, if anyone has a copy at home, just go stick over it. Oxford yeah. Dicks. Oxford Dicks. Okay, well, if we go with the colonial um, definition from Oxford languages, mm-hmm. uh, first definition is the restoration of friendly relations. Hmm. Don't know if that hits. Um, the little... Okay. <laughs> uh, or the action of making one view or belief compatible with another. That hmm. has some merit. That has some merit. Um, what is reconciliation... Definition from Reconciliation Australia. Um, At its heart, reconciliation is about strengthening relationships between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous peoples for the benefit of all Australians. Mm -hmm. What do we think? I like that last one the best, and I Mm. think there's obviously been some thought through a a First Nations lens because you're right, the, the idea or the word reconciliation kind of says that we were together in the first place. Mm. And if you know anything about Australian history, from the get-go, it was, it was a very other, you're bad, get out of here, or, you're, or you don't even exist in the first place. Yeah. So I think that creates a little bit of complexity as, you know, most things in Australia at the, at the moment <laughs> or in general because um, yeah. we have such a complex history. So I think, you know, that doesn't quite do justice to our our, our history, but there still is merit in the idea of, you know, coming together, mm. uh, working together for a better Australia. Yeah, I almost feel like the word reconciliation can be kind of perceived as quite um, skin deep. You know, mm. it's not, it doesn't have much oomph about it, maybe because it's 
hard to actually kind of encapsulize the progression or the movement in hmm. one word. And maybe reconciliation was the word that started it. Um, I do know that the prayer for the reconciliation was like the first um, first kind of moment in quote unquote so-called Australia's hmm. history. Um, and it was called Prayer for Reconciliation. Um, and that was back in 19, uh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> a long, not a long uh, time ago, 1993. So mm. um, the first time there was a, ne- a National Reconciliation Week, it was 1996. So, And it was a religious thing. Yeah, well, it started as a religious thing back in 1993. Interesting. Yeah, well, Given I mean, how much damage the church has done. Yeah. Um, impacting First Nations culture and people. Mm. And the, and the role that the church played and, you know, a lot of missions were set up as churches, basically. Correct. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, it's an interesting one. And like I said, it's surface level. Mm. It doesn't necessarily, yeah, encapsulate everything that it's supposed to, but maybe that was the only word that someone had for it back then or, or a word that's not, not as threatening as equality or equity yeah. Yeah, <laughs> back when that movement started. But it's an interesting one because, um, you know, all of the injustices that has occurred historically and is still mm. occurring today can't be acknowledged, I think, as part of reconciliation. I think it's like mm-hmm. we... I think a lot of people would agree that we haven't done all of the learning and unpacking all of that history yet to just associate with reconciliation. I think it's just like mm. we've got that whole truth-telling piece to do because I'm still meeting people today that don't know what happened. Yeah, totally. Who are my age, mm-hmm. who are well-educated, went to a you know a very good high school, great university, and can't sit and tell me about the stolen generation. Yeah. Or, or frontier wars, or yeah, yeah like it's crazy because propag- like yeah, know, propaganda. But it's like <laughs> government shame or school curriculum. White not- girl, what's that wording? That um, collective amnesia. Yeah, yeah, and and like obviously generations before us as well are part of that. So mm-hmm. then yeah, but well, well, I think like it's important mm. in in I think we can show by example in this podcast episode that in order to embrace our idea of reconciliation today, we need to provide that context Mm. and we need to recognise that we have not come from a place where we were together in the first place or that we were, like, holding hands and and walking as one and then something happened. And I think also, like, reconciliation in my head can sometimes lend itself to the idea of, you know, if you have a fight with your sibling and you're like, oh, look, we've reconciled, but really you just, like, agreed to disagree on something. doesn't necessarily mean that we need a word change or any of those sorts of things, but acknowledging the context in which we're talking about um, and using that language and maybe shifting it to reconciliation in terms of what we we hope to come together, but understanding we haven't started from a place where we were together. Yeah. I guess for me, sis, it's like the power dynamics of that even that word is just like Mm. oh we fucked up but we're trying to fix it um you know it wasn't our fault but you know now we're trying to sorry (laughs) getting passionate now we're trying to you know make things better and reconcile whereas I don't know if it's that simple but yeah what do you think is more appropriate it's a really good one I don't know and that's Mm. the thing like it's I think that comes that like leads to community consultation for you know, and when mm. you say it in so many different 
areas where our community continues to face trauma or challenges or the ongoing implications of colonization and attempted genocide answers lie within community and given we've just found well I just found out that it started as like a religious prayer Mm. for reconciliation maybe it started on the wrong foot and it it should have uh, grown from community but also I'm like I'm sure a lot of people are like I'm sick of reaching out a hand for the rest of like in quotations, white Australia to meet us halfway or finally walk with us. Yeah. And I think it's a it's probably a colonial concept of just trying to encapsulate it in one word in the first place mm. um, because I don't think it accounts for all of the work that probably needs to be done and we've probably missed out on doing as a, a society and maybe we've missed a bit of it because we're both only in our mid-20s. Mm mid to late 20s um (laughs) uh, but like yeah because I think about and it's escaping me Mm. the second but it's about to come back really strong it was a really good point reel it in um I can't even look at you why (laughs) (laughs) fuck um shit 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 it was actually really good that's right it'll come back um no because it was like what were you saying prior to yes okay here I am here I am excellent okay so our laws and our constitution, which I know is a big word right now, mm. um, as well as policies, procedures, particularly mm. you know in government relations and a lot of things that we do, um, are all reflective of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. Mm. Now, there is another declaration that this country hasn't necessarily uh, wrestled with too much, and that's the United Nations Declarations of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, mm. which took us a while there to sign on to it, but we did, I think, back in 2011. You can yeah. fact check. I think we were one of the last like, yeah. sort of countries involved to do that. Mm. But we currently don't have a society that reflects any sort of progression, actually, in upholding or achieving those rights. So it's almost like we should actually go back to untie some of it mm-hmm. or ensure that we're tying that declaration uh, into the things that we're doing. So um, I know rap, the word rap can be a little bit of a mm. contentious word. I feel like there's a lot of need for it, a lot of benefit from it. Yeah, people the structure need... that provides to people, um, mm. especially, again, in quotations, white people, meaning non-First Nations, can be really helpful because I know a lot of people are like scared to enter this space, afraid to do the wrong thing, even if they have good intentions. And then, of course, there's a huge group of people who would just like get over it. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know. So I think rap frameworks can, and I, and even just the week National Reconciliation Week, it can provide us with a lot of positives. But just you know, we need to acknowledge the the complexity of it as well. A hundred percent, and particularly because it's something that I guess anyone can sign up to and get involved in and no doubt collectively as we've had um, corporate, commercial and non-government organisations signing up to this journey, undergoing that educational um, movement, I think that's been a mass education opportunity Mm. for the country that no one else gets to have. I think like um, you and I both work in spaces that have raps, we've both Mm -hmm. written raps, we've both, um, you know, critiqued raps and stuff. (laughs) Um, But like... It can be that Trojan horse, I think, in society. Because when else are you going to be able to sit someone down who maybe it's not that they don't care about it, it's just more they're so uninformed that they don't realise how much they need to educate themselves or understand, which is whack because 
like we're we're obviously in such dire need and we're like 200 years late on this but I think I'm starting to work out that we've got to meet people where they are and totally yeah it's a lot of spoon feeding a lot of uh, bullshit that comes along yeah, with that which but is like it's really important draining and un- I think unfortunately sometimes not that it's up to us but unfortunately first nations peoples end up having to do the work of spoon feeding information slowly culturally educating slowly dismantling these mm. colonial structures and mindsets in order to finally get people to say like oh my god I can't believe I didn't know this. This is really important to me. And then they start yeah. taking their own steps towards it. And it's a shame that that has to happen. But I honestly can't think of a way to sh- to shift that and to change that. Sorry, I also thought um, for anyone who's listening who may not know what a RAP is, it's a reconciliation action plan. And so it's, I guess, a, a structured document with a whole bunch of promises and deliverables, essentially, that organisations and businesses sign up to and say we're going to do all these things because we want to uplift support and hopefully walk alongside with and engage First Nations communities and peoples in whatever it is they're doing. Um, so if you didn't know what that document was, that's what it is. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I, I see them as Trojan horses for change. And um, What do you mean by that? Like some people see these things as, um, you know, things that hit their corporate social responsibility charters or things that they've signed on to do as a business, so you have to do it, mm. um, which is, you know, whatever you think of that. But um, people don't realise what they're signing up for. And mm. then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have to do cultural capability training. We've signed on as an organisation to have an Indigenous advisory group. Mm-hmm. That brings so many more First Nations people into the organisation that mm. probably weren't there beforehand. And I, I can definitely see this um, uplift and this recognition and like value, not that we need to be valued by non-Indigenous people or organisations, corporations or organisations, but being recognised, I think, in that way and provided that leadership and guidance, um, I think is really progressive. And I think that's like uplifting and providing opportunity for, I guess, our generation, which is reflective of what the generations before us, before us have been banging on the door or pleading yeah. for and maybe have lost a little hope and feel like, you know, cynical of the system. But now it's like, bang, like there is change happening quickly and it's, and it's going quick. Yeah. Now, there's been organisations that have been recognised as these leaders in reconciliation mm. and contributors, but then they've really messed up. And that's, I think, where people get a little bit nervous about it because some of the some of the organizations that have really done a lot of injustice to our peoples historically and currently mm. previously were awarded high recognition um, yeah. in this space not for a lack of um, that they deserved it or that they worked mm. for it 100% but something shifts after that yeah um, and there's yeah. there's one thing to to make mistakes and if you're a massive business or organization you're going to mess up and community will let you know. What's important mm. is do you listen and do you learn from that? Yeah. Or are you like, we've been told not to mine this significant Indigenous heritage site, but we're going to continue doing that even though we actively have a rap, not naming names. But I think everyone knows yeah. what I'm talking about. But it's interesting though because then they're like, what's the, what's the punishment if you, if you mess up on a rap? You lose it. Um, yeah. And then I think that's probably where it gets a little bit difficult because you can only do so much as yeah. as Reconciliation Australia, I suppose. When there's it's still not a like power can, imbalance. Yeah. But then I guess because of that that pressure, I suppose, of now 
organisations, society, we're all able to hold other people more accountable because mm-hmm. we are upskilled, confident and, and have the ability now to articulate or recognise what that actually means. I think the amount of corporate and organisational pressure that got put on that organisation or sponsorships lost or partnerships um, mm-hmm. you know, torn up because they wanted to uphold the fact that they have placed more value in First Nations community than um, money is integral. Like I thought that was really the only good thing about that situation. And mm. I, I wouldn't even say it was a good thing, but um, it gives me a little bit of hope that people don't necessarily completely lose all of their values because of that dollar sign. Yeah, totally. Sometimes I don't care why people do it um, as long as they're doing it because I think sometimes, um, particularly in the corporate world, I think, rap journeys start because they think it's the right thing to do in terms of how they appear to the public. Mm-hmm. But then through that being the starting point, people do start to learn and then realise I actually do really care about this and it shifts to being an authentic thing yeah. that people are doing. So that's why sometimes I'm like, you know what? If you're just doing this to look good, go ahead and I hope you learn something along the way and it shifts. Yeah. There's a, like, I don't know if it's a reconciliation movement or if it's the, the rise of First Nations voices, particularly in social media or medium paradigms that we yeah. all um, consume, but that does like, has been coming from raps yeah. um, as well. So it's like not, I don't want to use the word normalising it, but it's like I almost feel like I'm more proud to be in a country when there's people that really care mm-hmm. a lot more about this and I know that's my probably my bubble that I'm like more happy in. I mean yeah and then when it when it gets popped I'm like damn shit people are still not great horrible yeah but this is like Mm. this is the standard that we should be holding ourselves our workplaces our friends family community and our country as a whole too we should be like I'm prouder to be in a country if we care about our first nations people and we learn about our first nations history and Maybe for a people that starts in, in engaging mm. in events or content during National Reconciliation Week or through a rap at their own workplace. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that can only ever be a positive thing. Definitely. Reconciliation Week is a week, National Reconciliation mm. Week, the 27th of May to the 3rd of June. So the start of it um, commences on the 27th of May, mm-hmm. and that is the anniversary of the 1967 referendum, which mm. was a referendum that saw over 90% of Australians that voted to give the Australian government power to make laws for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and recognise them in the census. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had uh, that same 90% result ever again, not even in marriage Mm. equality. We didn't get... I think it was like, what, it was 50-something or 60-something. We've never received a... A result like that in a what's it called a consensus? Plebis- uh, sorry, Pleb- referendum. Referendum, yeah. <laughs> um, that, like that's I think incredible. Yeah, and then I, I commemorating at the end of Reconciliation Week on the third of June is the commemoration of the Australian High Court decision that delivered the Mabo decision, mm. um, which was the culmination of Eddie. Marbo's challenge to the legal fiction of terra nullius, so the land belonging to no one, mm. and leading to the legal recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, um, which, which obviously paved the way for native title. Yeah, which and is land rights in general. Huge. Yeah. So, like, this this week is, is started and ended with really significant parts of uh, not just Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history but Australian history Mm. Um, and if you are someone who is listening to this podcast and you don't know much about these significant dates 
we strongly urge you to go and read more about them. Like, there's yeah. no way we're going to be able to educate you on <laughs> everything in this podcast. But, like, isn't that just crazy that 1967 is when we were able to become actual citizens of the country that we have been in for over 60,000 years? Yeah, but it's interesting, even unpacking that, right, citizens of our of the country. Yeah. Like, well, should that have been... Fitting into the colonial structure, but, like... Mm, which brings up the whole... But it allows us to have laws that are more focused towards us, which, which yes, means that there are laws that are unfairly targeted towards us, and we absolutely have seen that happen, but also laws that can protect us, protect our lands, support our community, all yeah. of those sorts of things. And that's the thing, one way or another. Yeah. Uh, nothing's, nothing's ever nothing's simple. simple. Yeah. yeah. So pros, pros and cons again, but the, the power that came with citizenship bought the power of the vote which made politicians give a fuck Mm. in the first place. And again, that's probably a good example of something not really coming probably from a really positive place in the end, but it's like, boy, I better start worrying about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander stuff because I sure do need their votes and there's a bunch of them. And then eventually it turns into significant political figures who have like pushed for really positive things to happen. So go and read more about those if you haven't already. Moving on to the theme of this year's National Reconciliation Week. So every year there is a theme. You can go and look up the previous themes if you would like. This year the theme is be brave and make change. Mm. I guess what comes to mind for you when you hear that theme? That feels like a call to action to non-Indigenous Australians. Um, I see that as like stop hesitating, don't be scared, um, Mm. do something. But... um, make change I feel like that it's almost like be brave is for non-indigenous Australians make change is for first nations people but then it could also be flipped the other way um Mm. so yeah I think it's a great theme yeah and I know there's a lot of mob that work really hard oh um, totally behind these things and um yeah I I find it like if it feels particularly national reconciliation week that is about non-indigenous Australians and your role in it Uh uh-huh yeah. What can you do to push everyone's individual journey and also our journey as a country forward? Yeah. So my initial thought when I when I thought when I read Be Brave, Make Change was I didn't want it to lend itself to this like white saviour narrative. And I didn't want to be like, Oh, I'm so brave because I shared a national reconciliation week on my like social tile on my Instagram. Yeah. Like that's not what we're talking about when we say be brave. We're talking about significant change that can be you know micro but it can also be big political change attending rallies being brave enough to call out racism to like hold your workplace accountable for its relationship with first nations communities and first nations um employ employees so this is what this is what i think it's really talking about when it talks about brave change we're calling for you to do the work yeah i think is is what i think when i hear that when I've gone and had a little quick read around what the intention of the theme yeah. is, and um, I might read it out to you. So, National Reconciliation rec- sorry, <laughs> the National Reconciliation Week 2023 theme is "Be Brave, Make Change." It's a challenge to all Australians, individuals, families, communities, organisations, and government to be brave and tackle the unfinished business of reconciliation, so we can make change mm. for the benefit of all Australians. 
Last year, Reconciliation Australia encouraged all Australians to take action, not just in Reconciliation Week, but every week of the year. They saw unprecedented response um, to their suggested actions that um, it's every day and mm. for braver action. So um, this year they're asking everyone to make change beginning with brave actions in their daily lives. And I, I get that. Yeah, I think that's like it's a fantastic theme and I hope that it reaches a lot of people and I hope that there are a bunch of allies listening to this podcast who, you know, let this be your reminder that you have a significant role in this and, like, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Queer First Nations content. Um, Now go and, you know, share this with as many people as you can and sit down and have a conversation with those around you about, like, what are the the actions and the changes that I can make Mm. personally around me? Yeah. I don't think it's imposing that. Uh, the white knight saviour stuff and you, particularly people shouldn't take it as a reason to start trying to become a white knight saviour either. Mm. What I think it is is not to hesitate in those moments that a lot of people do have that they look back and like, shit, I should have said something in that moment or I could have stopped that person doing that or I could have, you know, asked that um, asked that person if they were okay after a microaggression moment. Mm-hmm. Things like that um, as well as you know, contributing to the larger progression as well. It doesn't have like it doesn't have to be a brave thing. It could be just who you are and, and mm-hmm. what you do in your life. But if you need a little push, then do it. Do you have anything else to say before we finish up the episode? No, nah, just thanks for um, hanging in there and, and <laughs> me. Um, no, but I mean, if you <laughs> if you if you need to hear it, I was actually just thanks for myself. hanging in there. Yeah, just hang. Um, <laughs> no, but. Uh, but thanks for joining us on uh, today's episode. You can find us on uh, anywhere you get your podcasts at Coming Out Black B L A K on Instagram. Um, send us a uh, send us a, an email if you if you prefer um, at Coming Out Black at gmail If you have ideas for podcast episodes, we're going to start working on season three very very soon. So we're really excited about that. If you have a story you want to share. Um, please get in contact with us or even if you just have some, you know, like, oh, I really like the episode or here's something I had. I think last time um, we uploaded an episode, I got a message from someone. They're like, hey, I just finished listening to the most recent podcast. I just wanted to say this. And they just like yeah. shared their their sort of story from that. And we love receiving those as well. So Definitely. And I feel like if you've got any stories from the First Nations queer community that is around you, I'd love to, mm. yeah, we love to um, bring more guests in, have yarn, share yarn. Um, there's so many more stories that I'm really looking forward to us being able to share. Yeah. Um, and I guess go and be brave and make change. Yeah, do it. All right. See you next time.